hello, and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And today I have a new friend. He's new in the sense of I've never interviewed him before, but he's not new to your ears, most likely. Dr. John Gray, I'm sure you remember that name because for eons, we've heard about Venus and Mars, that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And he's done numerous spinoff titles from that concept. And I would have to say, John, yes, that you are probably one of the most influential voices when it comes to relationships, sex, intimacy, marriage, et cetera, et cetera. So I have to say what an honor it is for me to be able to have this conversation with you today. So thank you for joining us. Thanks. You know, when people say those things, I get goosebumps. I kind of go, me? <laughs> thank you. Thank you, though. <laughs> what year was your first book released? Well, I wrote uh, two books before Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I wrote uh, a beautiful book, uh, called What You Feel You Can Heal, just happen to have it here. And uh, before I understood gender differences, I was all, all teaching people, you know, here it is a, a heart that's broken and how to heal a broken heart. It's so important that we have love. And of course, today's topic is on sexual confidence. Uh, love is a big, big part of sex. If you have sex without love, you'll lose your confidence. Uh, it's just, it's putting yourself in a, in a monkey state, a survival state where there's no confidence, it's just reactivity. So we'll get into that, that's really fun. And then I wrote Men, Women, Relationships, which is like a, uh, like was a big, big book uh, where I put everything I knew about gender. Cause once I healed my heart and, and got married to my wife, Bonnie, 34 years. And I'll just mention that she passed two years ago to cancer. I heard that and we're so uh, sorry. It's just, uh, I'm still going through such a, a growth process, healing my heart, that loss. We were like one and we also had a great sex life. So I can talk about that. and. You know, 34 years, actually was having sex with her for 40 years. The best sex was again and again and again. And one nice thing to hear, it's a great story. It, and for the men listening, this was a revolution, revelation for me. It was about, into, we always had great sex, right? But, you know, sometimes it's like fireworks, unbelievable. And usually that's when I really <laughs> perform well. <laughs> and so it was fireworks a- Fireworks were never a bad thing. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, afterwards I said, wow, that was that was amazing sex. That's as good as it was in the beginning. And my wife, this is about seven years into the relationship. And Bonnie says, oh, I thought it was much better. And I said, what do you mean better? And she said, oh, John, it was great in the beginning, but we didn't really know each other that well. Now, this is seven years of marriage. You've seen the, the best of me and the worst of me. And you adore and me. That and intimacy me. is still very real. And but see, for me as a man, it was it was it, I, it was an awareness. Something went, yeah, that's what makes it better. Not just you know how long I lasted or how many orgasms she had or anything like that. <laughs> it was that I was having sex and feeling more love, and that's what sex can be: is making love where you actually feel more love. That's the idea. And if you have regular sex in a relationship where you feel more love, you grow together in love. And because people don't have this knowledge that we're gonna talk about today and, and maybe other knowledge too, the couples don't grow together in love. The sex is, becomes routine, it's not so exciting, it's exciting in the beginning. And within three months to seven months, couples kind of go, well, you know, I'll move on to somebody else. So this is the, the younger generation who really doesn't have a clue, many of them, when it comes to sustaining passion in a relationship. And, and then there's the, the more traditional relationships where people stop having the passion in the bedroom, mm. but that's expected. You know, they, they didn't have the anticipation 
that you can have this passionate sexual relationship for a lifetime. You know, I've, I've got a friend, he's, he's, he's my age, I'm basically almost 70, and his girlfriend is 76, and we were having dinner last night, and they have the best sex, you know, and there's it's a part of me, people have best sex at 76 years old? Yes, <laughs> I would be, I mean, I always had it with my wife, and it's a matter of love fuels that if you're able to maintain a polarity along with the growing and love together. So it's not just about what you do in the bedroom, it's also what you do outside the bedroom, both things. Are, are very significant. So then I, I wrote men, women relationships and that did really well. And then I shortened it, I simplified it and put it into the book, uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And everybody's heard of that book, that's just so big. And then I wrote another one after that, which didn't sell so well because uh, everybody was still selling, buying Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And that's called what your mother didn't know, your father didn't tell you. <laughs> and that is so much practical stuff. Later we came out with Mars, Venus, and, and let's see, Mars, Venus together forever. We retitled that book with the brand. They wouldn't let me do that in the beginning. So it was like, who's this guy writing this other book? But then when I wrote that book, I also added into the book 250 pages on sex. And, and when I, you know, it was like 550 pages. I said, well, I'm just gonna split this book in half. And so I came out with another number one international bestseller for a year, which is Mars, Venus in the bedroom. Uh, even while Men From Mars was jumping up and down one to two, one to two, you know, it went on for over five years, number one and the number one and the top four slots, we'll put it that way, but mostly number one, number two or three were my other books. Imagine four days on a beach in paradise with three experts in sexual connection, helping the two of you become one sexually confident couple. Yeah, it is possible. Join Shannon Etheridge and friends at Nyer Resort and Spa in Placencia, Belize for the Sexually Confident Couple Workshop. Coming up in 2022, either May 29th through June 1st or June 1st through 4th. Register today at shannonetheridge.com by clicking on the workshops link. Space is incredibly limited, so don't miss this Sexually Confident Couple Workshop. It's truly going to be unbelievable. You have to understand the biology of passionate sex. And the biology of that is that women, in order to have orgasm, and let's look at statistics, half the women in America have never had an orgasm. Sad, uh, but true. It's sad, but true. A quarter of the women have had an orgasm, but not from a man having intercourse with her, or not in the presence of a man. Right. A and the other part, is mostly clitoral orgasm, which is one form of orgasm. And yeah, there's so many higher levels of orgasm, right? There's the G spot, the E spot, the cervix, you know, all these levels of, which have been talked about in Taoism and Tantra and all that for thousands of years. Because see, in those days, people, people didn't have TV to distract them. Uh, you know, they're looking up at the stars all the time at the nights. So what do they do? They become masters of sex in certain places in the world. That was their entertainment. That was their entertainment. And, but see, they were different people. If you look at all like the tantric pictures and the Taoist pictures, the man and the woman are very detached while they're doing it. Hmm. See, you, you see a complete detachment in the view. They're not enraptured. You see, we are, they're lived in a world of survival and security. Okay. And so basically the rapture, just this adoration, kind of, you know, take the, the level of massive love that you can feel in making love if you do it in a system 
that embraces both your male and female energies. Mm -hmm. Now the Tibetans, they have statues and pictures of their gods and their gods are always the, the male holding the female in a sexual pose where they're having sex. It's the union of the masculine and the feminine. And of course, many people hold that to be just a metaphor because we're so sexually repressed. It is a reality. You know, I've, I'm a monk for nine years. I'm a husband really? for 34 <laughs> years. Yes, you know, I know the power of what I teach. And you are, you are in an altered spiritual high consciousness state, which goes different from my meditative state. Now, and I'm a, you know, nine years as a celibate monk, spending 18 hours in meditation, world famous, my picture in 3,600 centers. I don't teach that anymore wow. because there's so many other people that teach meditation and all that. And it's all good. I teach relationships. Nobody can still yet understand how to dynamic of relationships. But the a reality there is I have this beautiful, uh, sublime meditation experience. That's why I can stay in meditation for so long. People go, how do you do it? Well, imagine you could just keep having orgasm after orgasm and orgasm and sex. Well, that's the, that the high you get in meditation. It's not the same kind of orgasm, but it's ecstasy. They call it bliss. And yeah. Now you can, what that meditation is, is going very high. Sex, when you have love, brings it from the high energy centers through the heart into the body, creating longevity, creating vitality, creating health. You know, this yes. is like blessings that we can have. Now, you know, I'm not saying everybody's going to be healthy, health uh, sickness free, because, you know, we have certain destinies, we have genes, we have things we associate with our parents and so forth. My wife, Bonnie, both her parents died young, cancer. Uh, so it was, you know, she had a certain gene that really says you're going to die of cancer when you get older. So there's some realities there. And I, I like that some people say, oh, you can change everything with your mind. But there's realities in this world. Sure. But she was a, a very fulfilled woman. And I'm so grateful to spend my life with her. And if and I didn't know- like You're a very fulfilled man for that, those 34 years. I have to ask two questions. Yes. I want to know, how did you evolve from all those years of being a monk into, into a marriage relationship? And then I want you to unpack. I, I love what your wife said about- being known is what is, is such a huge part of the fulfillment that comes from sexual intimacy. And I know that our listeners are going to want to hear more about that, how to keep love really alive and vibrant, even after you have been married seven years or 17 or 27 or 37. That's right. That's right. And I have the answers, you know, I, cause I live it. I didn't read it in a book. There's no study about it. You know, I'm talking about real life and helping people. One couple I just talked to, and I don't do counseling anymore, but this was a friend. They got in on me. And she, they're going to get a divorce. They're both having affairs. They had no sex passion. I just gave them the, some of the tips I'm going to give today. And in three weeks, they stopped their affairs. They forgave each other for each of those affairs because they realized, well, why not have an affair if you're not having any sex? Okay. So that's just really unfair to expect someone to be monogamous with you if you're not even wanting to have sex and you can't enjoy sex. If right. It, your relationship today, we call it, we call it physical attraction. That's sex. You know, you, you go out and you go, okay, how many people can I feel loved by that? I also feel physical attraction. And it's both partners responsibility to get the education, to restore that physical attraction. Yeah. But I compassionately explain to people, nobody's taught us how to do it. I know how to do it. And I teach it and I get results right away. And the ideas today can put everybody on the right track. And sexual confidence is the key is knowing that you're able to provide your partner with the support they need and get the support that you need. And that takes new knowledge because we have to give our partners and ourselves a break. 
never before in history has the expectation been there of passionate lovemaking over a period of many, many years. But it's possible. I've taught people to do it. I do it myself. I have some basic rules for it, guidance points. Okay. There's variation in that. I'm not saying it's the only way. It's the way I've seen work for people. So please, you know, people shouldn't feel it. I'm one of these people who says I'm the only way. I'm just the way that's done it. But it's see, once we get out you. of that survival security and we're in this privileged world, whoa, our sensitivities are so great, which means there's the potential to go higher in our sexual experience, which is all about sensitivity, right? It's about letting somebody affect you. That's what sex is. I'm giving you permission to make me feel better than I can feel on my own. I'll say that again. That's, I'm giving that's you worth permission. saying again. <laughs> yeah, I'm opening up. I'm giving you permission. I'm dependent on you to make me feel better. You see, the foundation of that is I'm not dependent on you to feel happy. I'm dependent on you to take me higher. So if today you don't do that, that's okay because I'm happy. And that's the foundation of Men Are From Mars is here's an author who was nine years as a celibate monk, not depending on anybody, totally happy and fulfilled, famous. It was like, I was totally happy, except my brother was bipolar and meditation didn't help him. Hmm. So I stopped being a monk, came out to California to learn therapy, to become their study psychology, get a PhD in psychology. And along the way, when I came out into the world, a cute little story is there I was, it's a long story, I won't say it, but anyway, there was a girl who I, I, who I, I, I saw in a dream and then she was there. So I, I sat outside her little house and just meditated. It was on a, a event, kind of on a place where there's little houses in a estate and I couldn't afford much at all. So I was sitting there, uh, sitting cross-legged and meditating for hours. So finally she said, okay, who are you? Who can do that? You know, <laughs> and it turned out I was the personal assistant for nine years. I would live with the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, the founder of Transcendental Meditation. Okay. So I was like his guy. And my picture was all in his centers and everything. And, and she was actually the, the, the ex-assistant to a, 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 guru, a woman guru called Claire Prophet at the time. So she had been with her guru. I'd been with mine. We sort of outgrew them. And there I was. So it was this coincidence. So then I said, okay, so, you know, what do you do? She said, I'm a massage therapist. I, she said, would you like a massage? I said, yes. <laughs> Twist and she, said, she said, okay, take off your clothes. Well, <laughs> now I was sexually active as a teenager. I've always loved sex. I just love God more. And so I went there, but now she said, take off your clothes. And I'm lying there on the massage table naked as she, as a woman is touching me, which hadn't happened in nine years. I didn't even masturbate for nine years. I found out all the other monks were doing that. I learned to sublimate the energy. Mm -hmm. See, life force, the sex energy is life energy. It makes life. And if you're not wasting it, but using it with love, I give my sex energy to a woman. If she loves me, it comes right back to me if I love her. Mm -hmm. But if I give my sex energy to a woman and I don't love, it just, it's wasting. Exactly. So many people are just wasting their lives away. They don't experience their full potential and their passion cannot grow. So anyway, there's more to that story. But anyway, so all she had to do was while she's massaging me, she said, so why is it you're celibate? And I, of course, had an erection. And so I said, I don't know. <laughs> and that, that found answer. <laughs> yeah, that, that went to three days in the bed. I mean, we just had a little fruit. And that was it. Sex, 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 sex. It was amazing. And so I basically learned a lot about sex from her. Mm -hmm. And then I started traveling around having lots of sexual relationships. I felt, you know, like a traveling guy. Uh, and 
lots of girlfriends. And I told him, you know, I got to make up for lost time. I've been a monk for nine years. Teach me, <laughs> teach me, hard. <laughs> yeah, teach me about your body because I want to provide maximum pleasure for you. So they were cool with that. So I learned so much from women about their different needs. Some women were this way, some women were that way. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I started teaching classes, I was studying psychology, but I started teaching classes uh, just for making a living as well, although I'm a born teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, I said, well, why don't I just teach a class called Making Love Work? Uh, Making Love Workshop, actually the first one, and have people come together and share their experiences of what makes sex great. See, people didn't do that back then. Still, people don't do that. Talk with their partner, explore their body, learn about body parts, learn about potentials, learn about what they like, what they don't like. So we had all these women talking about what they like. Men were talking about what they like. And what came out of it, one thing that was such an amazing thing that was a surprise to women. Every man said that his best sexual experience was primarily because of what he provided for the woman. Mm. Her orgasm. Her More blessed to give than receive was that was the best experience for him was always about that and second to that is his ability to to not have a premature ejaculation but he actually uh could could provide that through intercourse not all men had yet experienced giving a woman an orgasm through intercourse but fortunately there were some women who had that you know the whole discussion from freud who was saying that a clitoral orgasm was just a immature orgasm and that nobody has vaginal orgasm that was such nonsense. And still today, yeah. there's books written on go for the clitoris. That's all there is. And that's part of it. That's the warm up. That's the warm up for what can come next. If right. the man sustains his sexual prowess, you see, if men think that's the end of it, then they ejaculate as opposed to letting the energy build in her again, because his energy is there. We know now biologically that for a woman to have an orgasm, her estrogen levels require being doubled. Okay. Her normal, ah. her normal level of estrogen, your average level of estrogen for a woman tends to be 10 times greater than a man's, right? Okay. That's a really key thing. Okay. Then if, if you have romance and foreplay and good communication where she feels safe, now safety is a key factor. That's the oxytocin factor. Right, the bonding hormone. Yeah, and it's really the safety hormone. The bonding happens primarily through the estrogen going up. Okay. Estrogen going up is the, is the uh, feminine energy in the max. Okay. Oxytocin creates safety. When women feel safe, then they don't have to feel they have to defend themselves. When you don't have to protect yourself, you feel safe. There's a biological reaction that oxytocin is produced. Your stress levels start to go down, but primarily because your estrogen levels can now go up. You see, when you feel safe as a woman, you start taking down the barriers. You start feeling the feminine part of you, which says, I can depend on you. Mm. See, that, that's what sex is, as I'm depending on you to open me up and take me higher and higher. If you want to have orgasms and you're a woman. Now, women who don't depend on the man, they do it themselves, often struggle to have an orgasm. And when they do have an orgasm, it's primarily just clitoral. It's not the surrender orgasm that happens and can happen if a woman's estrogen levels double. Mm -hmm. Now, it, even at 75 or 85, whatever, your estrogen levels, their normal levels for that age to have an orgasm, it just has to double. Okay. And you just have to learn how to bring your estrogen up. Now, I wrote a whole book about that just to let people know, you know, I have my Mars Venus in the bedroom book, but even for that stuff to fully work, you need this book, which is Beyond Mars and Venus. This is where I did an eight-year study on women's hormones. 
So nobody's done this before. And still, when people hear it, they hear, where's the research? Where's the research? I said, well, nobody's done this before. This is completely new knowledge that your behaviors, your mindset, your attitudes in interdependent with the opposite sex, male and female, actually regulate your hormone levels. Okay. So when you're a woman and you're depending on, and it could be a gay woman partner as well, it could be they're more the male energy where you're dependent on somebody to provide what you need. The interdependence factor. The interdependence. When a woman feels safe that I can depend on you, then suddenly her estrogen levels will rise to the normal level. And then with romantic stimulation and detachment on the male part, you see, she needs to feel it's about her and not about him. Mm, when a man is so lost in your own horniness guys focus on her that's exactly it when you're lost in your horniness it keeps her estrogen levels down okay is that you have to detach from the horniness of depending on getting your orgasm so a simple rule there is women come first actually a whole book was written about that but i wrote wrote about it 15 years before uh, in my book beyond mars venus in the bedroom which couples can read together because one of the challenges in the bedroom is that couples don't, many people, maybe some, but many people don't know how to communicate about it. It's a delicate subject to ask for what you want. To, to, and so with the book, I'm describing all these things and you can nod your head and you go, oh, that sounds like fun to experiment. And the guy will say, well, do I do that? And you can say, well, sometimes, <laughs> you know, even though he never did it before, you want to be sort of polite with that. Yeah. And there's a whole thing in there about exploration of, of literally, having a mirror where she can see her clitoris and he's like looking at it and he can see it and he can show some of the things I suggest to do with the clitoris. You know, you, you men need to understand that biology and women sometimes don't even understand their biology of what right. can work. So and women know what their bodies are capable of. That's now, right. We don't, none of us know what we're capable of. Men don't know that you can go on for hours on a weekend. Uh, this is like potential, a huge potential of multi-orgasmic after men being multi-orgasmic women being multi-orgasmic and there's some wonderful books written on that uh i don't i don't necessarily subscribe to their ideas the outcome is the same i i tried their ideas they didn't work for me but i developed my own system uh so 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 you you said something earlier that piqued my interest that i want to come back around to you mentioned uh, we know about the clitoral orgasm, we know about G-spot orgasm, we know about blended orgasm, but you mentioned an E orgasm and a cervix yeah. orgasm. Yeah, there's an E spot right, right beyond. It doesn't show up until you've you, you have the the penis needs to apply a lot of pressure, and sometimes you can do it with your finger, but you know better to be like if you got a nice hard penis, it goes in there at a certain angle. So there's different positions that allow you to get to different places, mm-hmm. and it pushes on the G-spot. So. The clitoris you want to be very delicate with, uh, and as opposed to not push it, it can numb it or it can cause her to re- experience so much tension that she releases all of her sexual energy and can't be multi-orgasmic and thinks that's her orgasm. You know, she's done afterwards. And, you know, okay, granted, you're one of the 50% of the world. So that's great. We don't want to diminish that, but you can right. also have, you know, a lot of sucking on the nipples before you get to the l- clitoris. Now, why sucking on the nipples and a lot of kissing before that? Kissing is the first opening up the vagina is the kissing. One set of lips here, two sets of lips there. You, you don't, until the tongue wants to interact, okay, the tongue will want to penetrate. The woman's tongue will want to penetrate. And many women are like, am I allowed to do that? Whatever. So I'm just saying permission to do it. Not that every time it has to be the case, but there's a level of the energy going from a woman's mind, her head 
to then her breast, to then her vagina. And if you go right to the vagina, she can't get enough estrogen. You got to build, you got to double the estrogen level by raising the oxytocin level, by not being in a hurry in any way. That's what we talked about, men. Just put your orgasm way far away and know that you're not even going to think about it until uh, she has her orga at least her first orgasm. So that uh, explains why women will report that when they were dating or you know newly married and they were making out a lot, she was she was getting horny. But yes. in the absence of that making out and kissing and fondling and all that, she just feels like it's wham bam, thank you, ma'am. And that doesn't really interest her very much. That explains the biological phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's the it's the kissing shares the DNA and the DNA literally smell, the taste. It, it says how much interested he is in him and also the smell and you're right up there with the noses as well in our nose there's uh, extra little flaps both men and women have it these little flaps at the top you can't see them but science says they're there right and they measure pheromones now pheromones in a man they know that when a man's testosterone levels double his pheromones will cause a woman's estrogen levels to go up that's proven. Yeah. And that creates a desire for sex. Now, why does estrogen create a desire for sex? It actually creates love, safety. She feels I can depend on you. That then, that then allows her estrogen levels to go high. And we know biologically when a woman's estrogen levels hit a high level, then her body will make higher levels of testosterone than at any other time. And that's so it's when likely, she gets aroused sexually. That's when she wants sex. Okay. okay. That's why we have research showing, and many couples have this understanding. Women often need to have arousal before they even want to have sex. That's why, you know, if you're not having sex once a week, you need to just go in there and men, you give her a, a naked massage, keep your clothes on so you can't get your horny up and whatever. So she needs your attention. She needs a massage, naked, kissing, hugging, lots of that stuff. And then a lot of breast activity and some women, it, it's painful to touch their breasts and they're more vulnerable to breast cancer. Uh, Taoism talks about this is they should start massaging their breasts every day for a few minutes to get that, that resistance to pleasure. Mm -hmm. When you have ticklishness or pain in your body around sex, those are sexual blocks. And those things, ticklish is like you're going back to a child which has no sexual energy flowing there. Uh -huh. It should be, you can lick anywhere, touch anywhere and it's sexual pleasure. So not like you have to have all this right away. I'm just explaining what happens later as you start practicing step-by-step. Step. Just like if you wanna build a fortune financially, you start with, I started homeless, okay? After being a monk, I had no job, I had no money. I had to start all over, go to school, get a job, all this stuff. So Baby nothing step. happens overnight. And as I'm talking about the glorious sex we can all have, we have to be real easy on ourselves to recognize you have to build this energy up. For men, for example, we get into another show on the actual dynamics of sex, is that when men have too many ejaculations, they don't have enough testosterone to excite the woman. Right. So too much sex can kill the passion. Right. Uh, this is like, so we have to have this interdependence of pheromones being produced to bring us to this higher level and making out, kissing, tongue action, all that stuff, neck action, ear action. This is all stimulating the hormones in her so that her estrogen levels can rise and she can experience an openness to surrender. Mm -hmm. You know, they say even for men at 35, this is the averages, their testosterone goes down, you know, 1% every year or something. I'm 70, almost 70 years old. Okay, very quickly. My testosterone is 50% higher than when I was a young man. Okay, <laughs> and I can do it every day. I don't because you have to regulate 
your passion. You see, if you ejaculate all the time, your testosterone goes down. So you have to have the right frequency. So this is all like amazing stuff that people don't know, but why is it relevant today? We want passion. Why do we want passion? Because our sensitivity, the Maslow hierarchy of needs, when we, when we come this privileged society, and we are, people in the past, you know, they just were surviving, protecting themselves, killing people in wars and stealing things and whatever, you know, for survival. They didn't have the sensitivity that we have. And when it comes to sex, the sensitivity is that women need more support and men need to feel more successful in sex. If he doesn't feel more successful in sex, he loses interest. If she doesn't feel I can open up more and more in sex and experience that pleasure, she will lose interest in a man. We have higher requirements today and we learn the right techniques, we can get to that, but it starts in our relationship outside the bedroom. We have to have a deeper sense of intimacy, which you talked about, you wanted me to explain more when Bonnie said, it's about, John, you know, it, sex is so much better because you've seen all of me and you adore me. You see, sex is ruled particularly more so in the women by mentally feeling seen and heard. Yes, this is one understood of the big mistakes. and accepted and valued. That's right, and mentally seen, heard, empathized, valued, respected, that's in the mind. She needs to feel I can become naked in my mind, sharing my thoughts, my opinions, my way of thinking and not be rejected for it. That's yeah. the first level. Now it goes down to the heart. I can be emotionally open. I can share what goes on in me emotionally and I am safe, okay? This is the place we eventually got to in my marriage, which is Bonnie could share anything, everything, and I would just, you know, listen and feel compassion and empathy. And, uh, you know, I say things like, you know, honey, you do so much for so many people. I just want to give you a it, hug. That's foreplay. That Absolutely. That is a woman's favorite form of foreplay. And, and you just explained why so many men are unsuccessful when they merely just look at her as she's walking into the bedroom and says, do you want to have sex? Like the answer to that question is never going to be a resounding yes. If you've never paid her an ounce of attention in that moment and you haven't kissed her and caressed her and looked at her eye to eye and made her feel as if she's seen and heard. So you've really unraveled a big, a big mystery for a yeah, lot of yeah. people and, today. And, and, I the hope. And, and the research is there, you know, if a woman is in any level of stress in her life, busy life, kids are needing this, got to go to work, got to, they're so stressed today, sure. doing two jobs. They're doing what men traditionally did and what mothers did. You know, this is a big, big deal. So that that is measurable as adrenaline and cortisol in her body. And as soon as those hormones are being produced, it inhibits the production of estrogen. Literally, it inhibits In other words, she has less and less interest, the busier and more distracted she is. She can't have interest in sex if she is somewhat feminine, by it has to be happy level and then it has to go even higher for her to when it goes higher that's when she feels her desire so she actually can needs arousal for many women before she actually wants to have sex mm -hmm. so so a lot of men are like they give up on sex because they their wife doesn't seem interested in sex and i say don't take that as rejection you see men start out down south and then they move up Women have right. to feel naked mentally, then naked emotionally, and then when then they can become naked and their estrogen levels are, are surging through her body, then she actually feels desire for sex. She wants to have sex. That, that's a, So men start south and go north. Women need north and go south. So yes. ergo, the biggest difference between men and women. Would that's you say it. that that's the Venus and Mars difference right there? Right there. It's pure biology. 
my conversation with Dr. John Gray continues. So we're going to pause here, wrap this up for part one. I hope that you will join us for part two. We love you for listening and we thank you for tapping on us. 